Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. When I was a kid, we wouldn't get this many people together unless we were playing a game called Hoop the Milkman. It was like ring toss, but instead of throwing them on a peg, you throw the rings over the milkman's head while he was making his daily rounds. You gotta be careful not to whap him in the jaw, or else he can't whistle no more. Then nobody in town knows when the milk's there. You leave it out too long, and it attracts milk bugs. Those suckers can bite. <laughs> Jimmy <laughs> Fallon as Joe Biden. Jimmy Fallon is the best at that. Old man ramblings from Jimmy Fallon. Milk bugs, and those things can bite. <laughs> Come on, man. He should have thrown in some Libya, Syria, which we'll get to in a couple of minutes. Everybody's leading with, I'm, I'm flipping around the channels, of the high-stakes summit showdown. First of all, uh, what uh, constitutes a summit? When do two people meet and it becomes a summit? I think it's when the leaders meet. Okay. Anyway, Biden and Putin. High-stakes showdown. Uh, I can't nail down what time it's happening. Does anybody have that info? Every site I go to, they've got things you need to know, except for what time it happens. Because it's in Geneva, um, it might be happening this afternoon, my time. So, and I kind of want to see that press conference when when uh, when Biden comes out. Yeah, Geneva's probably, what, seven, eight hours ahead of the East Coast, uh, 10 or 11 ahead of the West Coast. Uh, yeah, I wonder. I don't know. It's it's I don't think it's being overblown at all. Uh, and the Biden administration themselves have set the bar pretty high with his secretary of state going on all the talk shows and saying, look, we're going to let them know that the Ukraine, uh, we've got Ukraine's back. And and look, you can't meddle in our elections anymore. And look, this the cyber attacks have got to stop. Well, you've you've set the stage for Biden, you know, saying some pretty tough things. Now, that's going to be behind closed doors, so we'll never know, really, um, what was said and certainly what the tone was like. Yeah, that's difficult to say. I I have a feeling when Biden does his press conference, he'll be pretty honest about what was said, you know, what the replies were. My only disagreement with you is I think there will be a great deal said, very little done, and going forward, there might be some changes around the edges, but both countries will do what they need to do to pursue their their, uh, self-interest. You don't think Biden could? And I'm rooting for Biden in this. I am mm-hmm. not a. I don't root against my country, depending on the party. I'm party. I'm rooting for Biden to do well today, and to be, uh, you know, sharper than he was yesterday, for instance. But uh, you don't think Biden could, um, through his, you know, just the the look in his eye and his mannerisms and the choosing the right words, have Putin think that he? I think he sounds pretty serious about this. I'm not sure I can move on Ukraine, or I'm not sure we probably ought to attack that next infrastructure we were going to hack. It's not impossible. It, it is possible. He'll say the right things to forestall that stuff, at least for a while. Just there are limited levers with Russia, though, particularly given Europe's dependence, increasing dependence on them for energy. We just we can't line up that many allies to really put the squeeze on Putin. It's it's just harder than it ought to be. Maybe it's because I've been reading this book about 1939, the people's history of the world, 1939, and it's uh, 38. Is it 38 or 39? Anyways, it's, it's a year before World War II starts. And it's really interesting. Um, you know, before the world was aware, you know, the cataclysm that was about to occur, the various attitudes that occurred. And... Um, I just, I just feel like we've got to send the message. The world 
the United States leading the free world, has got to send the message to China and Russia, you can't do whatever you want. We are going to jump military with you. We are going, there is going to be kinetic action if you do these following things. Yeah, I just, I don't I th- know. I feel like we're the tough guy at the bar. It's made it clear, look, no matter what you do, I'm not going to punch you. Let you know. I'm bigger and stronger than you, but there's nothing you could do that would make me punch you. I feel like that's the message we've been sending for years. Yeah, I just have a feeling that if Putin does jump ugly and grab a bit more of Ukraine, our response will be a very strong, forceful, you're not going to take any more. Maybe we move troops into the Baltic region, you know, whatever. I'm thinking about this whole world order idea, though, that the world order has been a certain way pretty much my entire life, and it's fallen apart in that countries can grab pieces of other countries if they want. And people can force down planes over their airspace if they want to kidnap somebody. And these things just are okay. And you can uh, attack any company in you want, in even in the United States, and get away with it. Mm-hmm. Part of it's globalism. Everybody's so interconnected by trade, they cannot, you know, cut off their supply of that drug. And any strong sanctions against Russia, for instance, or China, man, were the the, the euros mealy mouthed about China and slave labor. Just utterly lacking in any moral fiber. As much as the Euros like to lecture us and everybody else on the, the proper way to do things, oh my God, you threaten a, a tiny bit of their trade and all of a sudden their morals vanish so it's into that, thin air. So it's the downside of that whole no country with a McDonald's goes to war with another country with a McDonald's. You've just got right. too much money at stake. Yeah, at some point, one of those countries with a McDonald's uh, decides, I want this and I'm taking it. And I don't think anybody's going to do about course, anything about it. Of course, it. they believed that pre-World War One that the world was interconnected enough by uh, commerce that there would never be another great powers conflict. And obviously, mm-hmm. that turned out not to be true. Well, yeah, the problem is sometimes, you know, World War Two is a good example of this. When it could have been stopped quickly, it wasn't partly because of interconnectedness. Um, and, and so, you know, by the time it, it has to explode, then the interconnectedness is not enough to, to, to have any good effects. Uh, let me hear 13. Let's lighten up a little bit. Here's Joe Biden at the G7. I love the people of France. I used to know this French guy back in Dover named Snake Eyes O'Shaughnessy. Guy had the hottest mouth this side of the Hudson River. Would pop a whole egg in his mouth. Seven minutes later, that sucker was hard boiled. Tasted horrible, but we never told Snake Eyes. French are sensitive like that. <laughs> What the what? (laughs) So, listen, do you want to get into the the, the Biden-Libya thing? I think it's important. I think it will be cited by historians as a turning point in the Biden presidency. Really? Maybe. Wow. And I say this with no no enjoyment, no pleasure, no no smug, anti-democratic, you know, uh, pleasure. No pleasure. The Armstrong and Getty show. Right. Some days. Anyway. So Joe, <laughs> Joe Biden came off like he was not 80. How old is he? 78? 78. He sounded more like 88 yesterday. And it's not good. We'll play you the clips in a minute or three. Hope you can hang around. I've noticed that as I get older. You have days where you feel much older and days where you feel much younger. I suppose that's true as you uh, as you age. Yeah, and the line wiggles up and down in that way, but it always trends down. It never has like a big upward trend for months at a time. That's that's the that's the really disappointing part of aging. Anyway, Joe Biden sounding like he's ninety, not good. Next. Armstrong and Getty. 
Vladimir Putin laughed at the suggestion that you had called him a killer. Is that still your belief, sir, that he is a killer? <laughs> I'm laughing, too. They actually, I... So he is a killer. Well, look, I mean, he has made clear that... Uh, uh, The answer is, I believe he has in the past essentially acknowledged that he was, uh, there are certain things that he would do or did do. Wow, that's that's not great. So, hmm, I'd read about the long pause and I thought, oh, nothing wrong with that. I've, I've tried to employ that myself more in my life. If you're not sure what you want to say, eh, let's think about this for a second. Take a second. Nothing wrong with that. Not going to hurt anything. But that was... That was uncomfortably long, and then his answer wasn't much better, having paused. Yeah, you know, some of our, our affiliates, uh, and thank you for listening wherever you are, some of our affiliates are like automated stations, and they have alarms that will go off if there's nothing on the air for a certain amount of time. And I was getting nervous that those alarms would start going off. That pause was so long. But I'm rooting for Joe Biden specifically as he deals with Putin and even more so China. Just because there are adversaries, I think he's leaning heavily on Anthony Blinken, who I think is a pretty sharp guy, pretty reasonable in his foreign policy ideas. And and if you're just a, just a full-on partisan and you just want the Democratic Party to fail, Joe Biden's not running for re-election. There is zero chance of that, in, in my mind. And there is zero chance Kamala Harris gets elected. She is one of the worst people in politics, and she couldn't get elected to anything at this point unless she ran in a single party, way over the top, crazy-ass state like California, where she won senator. So you don't have to worry about those people in the next election and then building any momentum. Just think about the United States and our, our good fortunes. So anyway, Biden's there on the world stage, and I want to talk a little more about the G7 and the Putin summit, but he was uh, he was doing a press conference yesterday, and he, he came off like this, clip 40. In Libya, we should be opening up the, 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 the passes to be able to go through and provide, uh, provide uh, um, food assistance and economic assistance, I mean, vital assistance to uh, a population that's in real trouble. For example, the rebuilding of... Uh, of uh, Syria, of uh, of Libya. Hmm. So that was edited together. He he referred to uh, Syria as Libya several times. Yeah, was that edited? That that was different than the one I'd heard earlier. Um. Because I mean, he you could argue he was making a list because both Syria and Libya need to be uh, rebuilt. Uh, let's hear forty one. We could work together with Russia, for example, uh, in uh, in Libya, and for example, the rebuilding of uh, of uh, Syria, of uh, of Libya. So I'm hopeful that we can find an accommodation that where we can save the lives of people in, for example, in uh, in Libya. Yeah, I don't know. That just it seemed incoherent to me. Is there any chance that, like, because I do believe the theory that he gets some sort of um, drug that old people take to make them more alert? Mm-hmm. Or if, treatment of early onset uh, dementia. I wonder if there's any chance you, like... I don't, I, I'm sorry, I don't mean early onset, I mean very early stage. 
wonder if there's any chance that, uh, yeah, if you know anything about this, um, like you're in that situation or your mom and dad or somebody, you could text us. Um, like if you got a day you really want to be sharp, like today he wants to really be sharp, do you, do you like lay off the day before because you're going to take a double dose that day or anything? Is there anything like Doubling that? up on your Ritalin for the final exam, that sort of thing. So like today he was like, at a, yesterday he was at a low point because he did a lot of that, like. You know, both of those, all those clips you heard were from yesterday. The really, really long pause, and then the stumbling around, and then the Libya, Syria, Libya, Syria thing. I wonder if he had like, like did lay off his drugs because he's going to really hit him hard tomorrow. I don't know. I hope the story is written at some point. Yeah, I don't know. So if you're not following this stuff, he had the G7 meetings, and then the big NATO meetings, which is substantially the same crowd. Uh, some some changing uh, people at the table. And then the big meeting with the EU, which is substantially all the same people. And then he's going to meet with uh, Vlad Putin. And we got an email, I'm sorry, an email from JT who said, uh, no, you don't have to wait months to see what happens because you're supposed to come out with big announcements and big policy uh, moves at the G7 that have been months in preparation. Your staffers, everybody's been getting together for months and months. And in the coming together is the big announcement thing. And that's absolutely true as far as the G7 goes. There wasn't that much announced that was substantive. There were shiny words exchanged, but very few solid policies, partly because of what we've been talking about. The EU in particular is dependent on some of the bad guys. On China, on Russia, and they're just, they are not willing to, to poke them in the chest. As far as the thing with Putin goes, that's what Condoleezza Rice was talking about. More than the G7, the Putin meeting, don't worry about what's said by both sides coming out. Because Putin, it's absolutely in his interests to come off as a hard guy, to chuckle a little bit, to, to say, <laughs> The United States, as usual, tries to bully the world. Well, we have our own needs, blah, blah, blah. But just see what he does in the next few months. It could be he continues to play the tough guy, but then you notice the uh, the ransomware attacks are really, they've tapered off. So we'll have to see. Because he has it absolutely in his interest to continue to, to uh, show his people that the U.S. are a threat. That's how he holds on to power. So don't look for any kumbaya. It's not going to happen. So I officially have hit 600,000 dead from COVID in the United States. You know, it's pretty easy. Uh, this has been going on so long to forget or to not recognize what a huge number that is. Um, I remember when this whole thing started, I was discussing with a buddy of mine, and um, we're discussing various things that kill various people. You know, car wrecks kill 30,000, 40,000 people a year. Uh, alcoholism kills 80,000 people a year. And I said, you know, it's not going to kill as many people every year as alcoholism. And he said, oh, I think it'll kill many multiples. And I thought, no, you know, I didn't say anything. We're friends. Mm-hmm. I thought, no freaking way. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Not even close. I thought 80 was out of the question. 600,000 Americans have died from COVID. That's incredible. Yeah, it really is. You know, and people uh, kvetch about the numbers and how accurate they are. But you got to take them more or less at face value. It's somewhere in that neighborhood. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah, um, I was just reading. I was trying to find it. What the heck did I do with it? Uh, article from the New York Times. There it is. Many post-COVID patients are experiencing new medical problems, the study finds. And I think we've all heard some of this. Um, and, and some of it, I think, is scary and legit and troubling, and we need to figure out what's going on. Uh, on the other hand, 
they go through some of the uh, some of the health problems that people have had post COVID that they did not have pre COVID. Their most common new health problems were pain, including in nerves and muscles. Okay, breathing difficulties, high cholesterol, malaise, and fatigue. I got original that. air names. Yep. <laughs> And high blood pressure. That's when we had that show uh, when we worked near the equator. Malaise and fatigue. Oh, yeah. It was hot all the time. And just, you never felt like doing much. We missed the show like two days a week. Just didn't show up. <laughs> Other issues included intestinal symptoms, uh, symptoms, migraines, skin problems, heart abnormalities, sleep disorders, mental health conditions like anxiety and depression. So, in short, just everything that can possibly be wrong with a person. I think it's a little early to say that was caused by the COVID. Speaking of kin, skin problems like being the wrong color, Lynn Manuel Miranda's got a new show out called The Heights, which is about Brooklyn and stuff like that. He has just apologized for the lack of dark-skinned Afro-Latino representation. We fell short, he said, talking to critics. Is that how thinly we're slicing it now in terms of trying to represent the right uh, skin colors? In the Absolutely, shows? in his crowd, yep. Have the right number of people? Wow, it's going to be hard to do. The Armstrong and Getty Show. We weren't going to talk about Joe Biden for a little while, take a little break. We've been uh, pretty heavy on it, but uh, this just happened moments ago. Over there in Europe, he's sitting around a table with a bunch of world leaders, and he gets some names wrong again. He did that yesterday. Like Boris Johnson. Did you see that video where Boris Johnson is introducing introduce everybody, and then Biden says, you forgot to mention, uh, what's his name over there, the president of South Africa? And Boris Johnson said, "I okay, I will reintroduce him, uh, That whatever his name is. Uh, I did introduce him, and Biden says, oh, you did. I must have missed that. I guess he got introduced twice. I mean, just, uh, just you know, just kind of, well, he seems like. Your grandpa had a gathering, and everybody's being kind of nice because grandpa's brain doesn't work quite as well as he used to. And How? and he's an old man who's in a di- way different time zone, right. jet lag, going to a million meetings. None of us would be as sharp going to 50 meetings a day in a different, you know, upside-down time zone. Right. How long has he been over there, though? I mean, because you, you acclimate to the local time after a few days, generally. I don't know. Oh, of course, I've never been 78 going on 79 either. So Right. But anyway, here's him uh, in, a, in a circle again with a bunch of world leaders. The first part is about he, some sort of miscommunication about names. And then he like seems really lost looking at his he's looking at his script, trying to figure out what he's going to do next. And uh, like I've said before, and I apologize for you. Oh, I didn't I feel sorry you were taking my message through, right? I'm leaving out a lot of people here. I apologize. I'm going to get in trouble. But anyway, we'll be back to that. But um, uh, we, um, uh, you know, there's a lot that uh, that is it, 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 it's happening. I used to always. So, yeah, so he got, oh he got something wrong with the names again. He said, I apologize. I'm meeting a lot of people here. So uh, we'll get that. And then he's kind of like shuffling through his papers a little bit and trying to figure out what he's going to say or what he's supposed to do or whatever for an uncomfortably yeah. long time there. Boy, I'm, I'm reminded of what Barack Obama said to him when he was contemplating running. Joe, you don't have to do this. Yeah. Because I think Obama knew. This is not good for America. There will be... 
behind-the-scenes stories that come out years down the road. It might be 25 years. It might have to go through the full. uh, These won't be released for a quarter-century rules like Watergate tapes or something. But uh, there will be stories come out of just how out of it he sometimes was because of his age. Well, who would who would choose a seventy eight year old doctor? Yeah, who would I know. Choose a seventy eight year old whatever. A party desperate for a coalition candidate. I just wish he hadn't picked an amoral, utterly principleless moron for his vice president. <laughs> I mean, if it was some sort of moderate governor, Democrat governor or something, I'd think you know what? Maybe let's pass the torch. Kamala's an idiot. <laughs> I mean, that just that would be bad for America. Speaking of bad for America, let me follow up on this story that is both unimportant and important. It's unimportant in that you probably haven't heard of In the Heights, the latest smash film from Lin-Manuel Miranda of Hamilton fame. Alexander Hamilton. Right. Yeah, uh, right. Anyway, he, he, he put together this movie that's all about the Washington Heights neighborhood of uh, New York City back in the day. Um. And uh, he was getting criticism on Twitter yesterday, which he mistakenly responded to. You can't respond to criticism on Twitter. He's crazy active on Twitter. Yeah. It's clear that many in our dark-skinned Afro-Latino community don't feel sufficiently represented, particularly among leading roles. He assured those disappointed with the film's casting that he's listening and he hears the hurt and frustration over colorism. He apologized and promised to do better. So if so, there are too many light-skinned Afro-Latino or dark-skinned Latino or light or dark-skinned Afro-non-Latino, but not enough dark-skinned Afro-Latino. He told Vox last week it's unfair to put any undue burden on representation in the Heights. There are so many stories out there, millions of stories. Yeah, there's a lot of different kind of people, and you could choose particular people and uh, and, and make that part of this. But you, you have to have a quota system now if you're going to do anything. It's just you can't function like that, you realize. No, it's... no absolutely not. I, his previous point, I think, was a pretty good one. No, look, I, I chose to tell this story because I found it compelling. I'll tell another story later that will probably have different looking people in it. All right. The film and the Broadway musical is based on uh, take place in Washington Heights neighborhood of New York City. The list reports the the, the following um, blah, 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 blah. Uh, observations were made in The Root, which is some sort of uh, publication. The erasure of the erasure of dark skinned Afro Latinx folks. Okay, so we're using the Latinx with an X thing that you go ahead. Only activists use. White people tell brown people how to use their own language. The erasure of dark skinned Afro Latinx Latinx folks in a musical film and set in Washington Heights uh, is colorist and racist. Um. Uh. The main cast does have a black character, but he's played by a black non-Latino actor, and his character is a non-Latino and is seen as an outsider by his father and love interest, and should have been more light-skinned Latino or dark-skinned Latino. I can't. <laughs> you got to have a chart. These. This is great. These people are eating themselves. More and more people are waking up to the fact that this is just crazy. If Lin Manuel Miranda is apologizing. Then you're just a certain ways down the road. Yeah, yeah, I would say. I mean, you're into cultural say. revolution stuff there. I mean, when he's apologizing to the mob, yeah, that's some. 
Speaking of people who write musicals, the great Roger Waters of Pink Floyd, he of Dark Side of the Moon, The Wall, etc., uh, evidently uh, unloaded a blast on Mark Zuckerberg the other day, keeping in mind that Roger Waters and David Gilmore are still fighting about Pink Floyd, even though they're both well into their 70s and will soon be playing their guitars for God. They're still <laughs> bitching at each other over various issues of credit and the rest of it. Let it lie, boys. Yeah. Let it lie. That's too bad. Anyway, here's Roger Waters, clip number one. This is something that I actually put in my folder when I came out here today. It's a request for the rights to use my song, Another Brick in the Wall 2, in the making of a film to promote Instagram. So it's a missive from Mark Zuckerberg with an offer of a huge, huge amount of money. And the answer is, you. No way. This is the insidious movement of them to take over absolutely everything. I will not be a party to this bull Zuckerberg. Wow, that's interesting. Who started off by saying, she's pretty, we'll give her a four out of five. She's ugly, we'll give her a one. How the did he get any power in anything? And yet here he is, one of the most powerful idiots in the world. Oh, I love it. Absolutely love it. So I wonder what the the money amount was. So I'll bet it was astonishing. I can't I can't guess. What, I would and, I would I would have guessed that. I mean, when I initially saw this, I assumed it was just for free because, like, um, you know, lefty politicians. If you're running for president as a Democrat, you can use all the Bruce Springsteen Madonna music you want. They don't charge you anything because they're on your side. And I just wondered if maybe I, I just assumed that Facebook thought, you know, of course, musicians are lefties. I'm a lefty. They're going to let me use whatever. But no, he actually offered money to use it. And still well, they turned it down. Well, I think it's time for the irony police to fully arm themselves in their SWAT gear and the Army National, I'm sorry, the irony National Guard to mount their tanks. The idea that Mark Zuckerberg would buy a song that's all about how the world batters people, particularly sensitive people, into no longer being able to function, and use that themed song to promote Instagram? Are you kidding me? Instagram is the bricks in the wall. Facebook, Twitter, those are the bricks in the wall these days. Holy cow, good for Roger Waters, disagreeable old fart. I didn't and don't know what that song means. I've listened to it a thousand times. I, had I don't ne- know what any song I, means. I had never for a second thought about what it means. That's what it means? Songs mean things? Oh, yeah, the entire The Wall album is brilliant, absolutely brilliant. I listened to the song probably, uh, might be over a thousand times. But I was completely unaware of the meaning. Sure. I, I, I never thought, I never stopped for a second to even think about what it meant. I don't know what to do for you. I can tell when a song is about a relationship. I know those ones. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I was in that shoe store where I bought Crocs yesterday. If you're just tuning in, you heard me. So, do you find them comfortable? Because I've, oh, yeah. I've never slipped my foot in a Croc. Oh, they're fantastic. Oh, really? Yeah, my, my flip-flops are crying quietly in my closet floor because they know they're going to be replaced. Interesting, because I was in the grocery store, kind of an upscale grocery store, and I saw a guy who's like kind of a hunter guy in his camel Crocs. And then I saw some sporty like college girl in her white Crocs that, meant, that matched her soccer outfit, and I thought, okay, Crocs has figured it out. It's just plastic. They can make it any color they want. 
So they've got it's all the same plastic shoe. It's like a Spice Girls spinoff. You got the Croc boys. You got Hunty Croc. You got Sporty Croc. <laughs> exactly. So you can come up with a Croc that fits anybody's personality, and they, and they they've struck gold with that. Well, and my Crocs very restrained. They're black with the 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 bottom is kind of white. They have very small holes. As I said before, they're the wingtips of Crocs. <laughs> they're the gentleman's Crocs, and, and and they're incredibly light and well padded. So okay. they're like the best slippers you've ever had in your life. Really? Yeah. Yeah. And but you can wear them outside because they're they're made of plastic. They're not going to get all wet and, and gooey and, and, and dirty and that sort of you thing. Just if hose they do, them you, off. Exactly. You hose them off. I so yeah, it. they're pretty good. I might get some Crocs today. Well, Judy and I we both brought bought Crocs for our thirty fifth anniversary. I posted the picture on Twitter. Maybe we could Facebook it or whatever. Was that a known thing or one of those quirky, hey, you got you got me that, I got you that. No, we were at the store together. Okay, okay, I sold my hair to buy you a mirror, and you sold your mirror to get me fault hair. hair or something. <laughs> a comb or something. Yeah, yeah I think it's comb, and she shaved her head to something. Yeah, anyway. It's crying shame is the point. <laughs> and then there's kind of a, like, a, you like pina coladas and similar sort of thing. Apparently, you know what that song is about. I do. They, songs have to be very simple for me to pick up on that. That's about getting drunk at midnight. There, there it can't says be, it right there, there. There can't be any metaphors. It just has to state, I'm in love with you, and now you broke my heart. That, <laughs> that has to be stated clearly. We were talking earlier about the trend in country music toward, I'm going to shoot my boyfriend songs. Yeah, those I understand. Yeah, I'm going to take a gun and shoot my boyfriend. Yes. That, that is, there you go. Yeah. Now that's a song. Yeah. I will not be a party to this bull****. Oh, that really needs to be the end of the show every day. That clip. <laughs> That's a pretty good one. Yeah. Way to go, Roger. Um, so Stephen Colbert was back in the studio with a full audience for the first time last night. He brought on Dana Carvey, and we love Dana Carvey's Joe Biden impersonation. But uh, there's some goodness there. Stay tuned. Show. Mr. President, this is your first trip abroad since taking office. How's it going so far? Going great. Met the guy that uh, runs England, Boris Karloff, but, but, but Boris Johnson. Excuse me. Then I met the high school kid who runs France, Macaroni. Had tea with the Queen. I'm the president guy. Come on. <laughs> That's Dana Carvey doing his Joe Biden for Stephen Colbert last night, who uh, who had a live audience uh, back again for the first time since COVID started, like a full audience. Um, a little more of that in a second. Uh, coming up, the nuclear whatever happened in China, and everybody's still trying to figure out what happened at one of their nuclear power plants. Is it a big deal? Is it a minor leak? We don't know, and China wouldn't tell us. See COVID-19. But uh, we'll have the latest on that from the most trusted news sources. Maybe we'll get to that in hour three. But back to a little more of Dana Carvey's Joe Biden on Colbert last night. Look, look, okay, let's be real. Let me be clear. The last guy, Trump, was bananas, okay? But look at me. Look at me, Europe. I'm nice and easy. Listen to my voice. You know, I'm whisper calm. You know, I'm not going to make any sudden moves. Look at my hands. Moving slow. Look at that. No herky jerky, just slow and easy. <laughs> Keep it going. 
Are you at all concerned about meeting with Putin on Wednesday, given that you very publicly called him a killer? Come on now. Come on now. I once called a nice lady a dog-faced pony soldier. <laughs> you know, no one knows what the hell I'm talking about, especially me. <laughs> Maybe I'm joking. No joke. Come on now. I'm the president guy. <laughs> yeah, I hope that the whole... Uh... Biden's past his prime uh, theme that both Jimmy Fallon and Stephen Colbert have uh, been hammering home the last month doesn't increase in intensity after the meeting with Putin today. Do we have one more of those? Now, let's talk vaccines, sir. You just yeah. announced the United States will be donating 500 million doses to countries in need. And that's wonderful. But I was wondering, how yeah. do you feel about how the rollout's going in this country? Let's get real here. Come on now. Number one, the one part. Number two, the thing the guy said. Number three, you know the drill. Come on, folks. So you're, so you're pleased with our progress? <laughs> Absolutely. You know, come on. These vaccines are safe and effective. We've got three different flavors. The Moderna, the P-Fizzer, and the J.J. Abrams. Come on. <laughs> there you go. Um, uh, you know, I'm not going to do transition music, although we could, because that's from uh, silly to very serious. The editorial board of the Wall Street Journal on a story we were talking about last week, leaving Afghan allies behind. We may be this, this, this. We may be about to do something unconscionable as a country, and that is leave behind the citizens of Afghanistan that put their lives on the line over the last 20 years to help us battle the Taliban. And because of just bureaucracy, BS, and paperwork, and sorry we couldn't get it through fast enough, we're going to leave them behind to be tortured and killed as we get out the door. Let me read a little bit uh, from the Wall Street Journal editorial board today. The U.S. Embassy in Kabul suspended visa operations on Sunday citing rising COVID cases in Afghanistan. Now it's up to the White House to do more for the Afghans in mortal danger as they wait for visas. Sorry, we can't get, we, we got to close down. There's a COVID in the air, and so well, we just can't get to those visas. So good luck with getting your head sawed off. And oh, oh by the way, everybody in your family and everybody you know. Back to the uh, editorial board of the Wall Street Journal. Most, most U.S. and coalition troops will be out of the country in weeks. But thousands of Afghans, thousands who helped allied forces, notably as translators, are being left behind. The Special Immigrant Visa Program, SIV it's called, lets Afghans who worked with the U.S. for two years move to the United States with their spouses and children. Uh, Yeah, that seems like a good plan. But for some reason they can't expedite the paperwork. About 18,000 applicants are still in Afghanistan without the paperwork to come to the United States. At the current rate of speed that we do things, it would take years. Well, here's the punchline. Years from now, all the months, weeks from now, all of those 18,000 people will be dead. All of them. The Taliban's going to kill every one of them if we don't get them out of there. The State Department said that while it's stopping visa interviews in Kabul, it would continue processing applications in Washington. It's unclear how many will be affected, but delays are more than an inconvenience at this late stage in the war. These, bull, these Afghans have a bullseye on their back, says Representative Michael McCullough, the House Foreign Affairs Committee, in a statement. If President Biden abandons them, he's signing their death warrants. This isn't an exaggeration. People are appealing to President Biden because he could, with an executive order, say... 
done, done, applications done. The, some people are, are making the argument, well, we don't know who these people are. We can't just have random Afghan uh, citizens coming to this country. They might be part of the Taliban. They were vetted before they became translators. They've already gone through a vetting process. Or get them to some neutral country where they're going to be safe while we do an extra background check or something. You can't leave these people behind that put their lives on the line to help us. For a couple of reasons. One, it's morally indefensible. And two, how are we going to get anybody to ever help us ever again in any war? Why would they ever, ever help us again? It's just, it'll be one of the worst things we've done as a nation in my lifetime if we allow these people to be killed. And man, we're weeks away from bugging out of there. And so far, well, as you just heard, 18,000 applicants still waiting the years it would take to go through the normal process to get to the United States. Surely Congress can get something going here. Give us some good news. Do something. Make us believe that the system works at all anymore. Because right now, most of us don't believe it works. This will be the nail in the coffin of, nah, it doesn't work. The government just doesn't work anymore. What an awful story. And we'll keep you abreast of that um, as it plays out. If you missed any of the show, go to armstrongandgetty.com. Grab the podcast. Armstrong and Getty.